Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. We are continuing with our series of The Nuns, interviewing people who currently do not have a religious affiliation. Today, I'm sitting down with my friend Andy Fitch. Andy lives in Brooklyn, New York, uh, but he is a friend back in my Buffalo days, and we uh, have so much in common, so much to talk about. Uh, But Andy uh, has some really great reflections during this conversation, just about what it was like for him growing up in the church. His dad was a pastor, um, but how because of that, he never fully had a sense of connection and how he found that connection through camping and outdoor ministry. Um, and then where he's still finding his spiritual connection and fulfillment um, as he does comedy, sketch comedy work in New York City. Uh, so I just want to add a disclaimer. I'm really sorry about the audio on this one. Andy's audio is great. Um, my audio sounds like I'm talking through a tunnel. You can still understand me, but it's not the best. So I apologize for that. Um, hope you can still enjoy the conversation that Andy and I have. And without further ado, why don't I turn it over to that conversation? Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. I am on a Zoom call right now with my good longtime friend, Andy Fitch. Andy, say hello. Hello. Andy and I go way back. Um, We were roommates in Buffalo, New York at an apartment that we affectionately called Monster House. Um, We watched a lot of Arrested Development and ate a lot of wheat thins. That's my memory of Monster House, largely. And you playing Fable on Xbox 360 a lot. Um, and Andy and I also worked at summer camp together. Uh, shout out to Lake Chautauqua Lutheran Center in Western New York. And that's where we met, isn't it? Because we were both campers there, senior high week, probably. Does that sound right? Yeah, probably like junior year, maybe. Yeah, early 2000s. The days of yeah. NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and Yellow Card. <laughs> um, real big fish. <laughs> real big fish. That's what we connected on. That's yeah. right. Good old ska music. Um, we were in the same cabin. It's great. And then we ended up working there. And then we ended up being roommates and stayed in touch for a long time. Um, Andy, why don't you tell everyone just a little bit about what you're doing now, though? Uh, now I am living in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I do sketch comedy. Uh, I do Andy's freelance art stuff. the funniest stuff. person I know. You, you, bar none, the funniest person I know. And you've been doing sketch comedy stuff forever. And you have awesome YouTube videos that I show to people all the time. You have a lot of fans here on staff um, from your olden days with double prizes. And yeah, you just sketch comedy. Um, yeah, keep going. Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. But yeah, you, no, you I, always sell yourself so short. I'm pretty good. Uh, I have, uh, yeah, I, I, I do freelance art stuff and I dog walk here. But like the reason I'm in New York City is to do uh, creative stuff, uh, a lot of improv and sketch comedy. I do a lot of it through a nonprofit theater in Manhattan called The Tank, and the kind of comedy wing that was brought into it is called The Armory. Uh, if you want to check it out, thearmorycomedy.com. That's uh, all the dates for if you're in New York City, you want to come see a show. It is the most inclusive and fun, and uh, just it's such a good time. Uh, every Friday night, they do improv shows. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So if you're planning a trip to New York, check out the Armory. It's in Brooklyn. That's in Manhattan. That's in Manhattan. Would, even, yeah. Well, oftentimes when people visit New York, they go to Manhattan, even though all the cool stuff's in Brooklyn, right? 
I mean, there's cool stuff everywhere. Okay. If you're if you're just if you're doing like a tourist thing, like it's probably not worth it to come into Brooklyn unless you're gonna walk the bridge or something like that. But um, yeah, that's that's the bulk of what I'm I'm doing these days. So I'm bringing Andy on, and this is part of a, an ongoing series here on the podcast. Um, Andy and I, like I said, we met at church camp growing up. Um, we both have the uh, distinctive pleasure of being pastors kids both our dads are pastors and that comes with it its own like cultural experience um and, and um and yeah we did a lot of different ministry stuff together whether it was at camp or then even afterwards with this like young adult group i did um we had called organic faith in buffalo um but so i'm bringing people on who maybe had connections with the church but then don't really have connections with the church currently and so Andy's brave enough and also just a super good storyteller. Um, Andy, like, let's just start at the beginning. Walk us through um, kind of like your upbringing and yeah, like growing up in the church, camp stuff, all of that, just sort of where Faith Life was as you went through all the way through college, basically. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, I'm a pastor's kid. Uh, my dad is a now retired, semi-retired. But yeah, so my entire childhood I was just like in the church like very literally a lot of the time um my association with it uh so much of my experience in the church uh I think was unique I mean I won't speak for you but for me specifically and maybe for my sister as well um so much of the experience with the church was kind of experienced taking things in sort of on the sidelines yeah. Um, I don't know how much you've talked about it on this podcast before, but like, it's a very strange thing. I try to explain to people that like, uh, it's not, it's not like celebrity. I don't want to give that, uh, that impression at all, but, uh, being a kid in the church, uh, where your dad is the pastor, everyone knows you uh -huh. and you kind of don't know anyone else. And by virtue of your dad, like having his hands and everything and like being in charge of so many things and people coming to him so often you know the job never really being off huh? uh i was just kind of like around all of it like i saw how stuff worked i you know slowly kind of uh found my place in the church that i was growing up in but um i think for a long time uh initially I was, uh, I don't know, I was like seeing how everything, <laughs> seeing how the yeah. sausages got made. Does that make sense? Totally. And and kind of picking up on like the weirdness of it all in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Of just that this is not, because there's the, the people who often will have like these real like holy ideas about the pastor and his or her family. Yeah. And then you you get the side view of it of just like, yeah, but like dad's super stressed about this and complaining right. about that meeting at home over dinner. And Mrs. McGillicuddy is always getting her nose in our business. Yeah. Well, because you're you were your dad was pastor primarily in like smaller towns too, right? Hamburg, New York. And then was it someplace before that? Uh well, Blaisdell, which is like a town right next to Blaisdell, Hamburg. Both those are suburbs of New York. Or Buffalo, New York, Buffalo. for those who don't know. Um, yeah, and that's the other aspect of it is that, like, even though my dad was the pastor of the church I was at, I was at that church because that's where my parents were. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I had 
sought it out and chosen it. That's just like where I ended up, uh, you know, for the first 18 years of my life. Uh, and my dad has never been like my pastor. He's always dad first. Yeah. And I think that relationship kind of, um, that affects the way that affects my relationship to the church or it affected my relationship to the church growing up because yeah. I didn't have like a pastor. I had a dad who was a pastor and that distinction might not seem too crazy, but like seeing how everything worked and knowing my dad as my father first, um, my view of like a lot of how he interacted with other people and how the church worked itself, I think was different. Um, and like you said, like people kind of have this idea of like what a pastor is or what a pastor's family is. Uh, and even as a kid, I remember like, um, not correcting people, but kind of like reminding them, like, he's just a human, like he messes up all the time. He'll curse. Like it, he's like, he's not perfect. He's not, yeah. he's not like an angel that was sent down to, I don't know, wear a collar. Like it. He's like, he's a person. And that was what I experienced first. So, uh -huh. like, um, I don't know if you, I mean, like, you remember Seventh Heaven on the WB. I, I do, but like, I, it wasn't something I watched very often. Uh, I, I don't remember really watching it, but there's a guy on TikTok who's going through all the Seventh Heaven episodes. That yeah. was a wild show, let me tell you. But it portrayed like the, the pastor dad in that, in that show was always, the moral authority and the right, right. one and like right. even the mom had weird stuff going on but the pastor dad he was always on the straight there and i feel like that's yeah just indicative especially like seventh heaven was out when we were growing up that was just kind of a cultural mindset yeah yeah and i mean like i said i haven't seen that show in forever and i didn't watch it much when it was out but for anybody listening i can almost guarantee my life was nothing like that show not at all. Uh, For one, you only had one other sibling, as opposed to six other siblings. But that you know about, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, and the other thing was that show very much, you know, like all sitcoms of the era. Like they addressed anything and everything they could. So it was like, I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> I'd be going off on a tangent here. Um, uh, I had a point I wanted to make. Of course, I have forgotten it. Keep, going, uh, keep talking about just so life of faith was weird growing up just because of this. But I think you still I mean, I know, too, like because you were sort of discerning when we were living together, you were kind of going through your own discernment process of like, do I want to go to seminary to kind of follow along in this sort of steps? Right. Because you did that whole internship um, at North Park with Tim Madsen. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, just kind of talk about, too, where your mindset went with that, of, like, even pursuing that, to, just to that, like, little degree. Uh, so, uh, the way I ended up on the staff of that summer camp, uh, Jessica Holmgren, uh, she had just, she, she, she's got a different last name now. You're uh, not going to edit this, Anderson, yeah. uh, Jessica Anderson, affectionately known as Jock, uh, she um, she sought me out. Uh, I hadn't even thought, I never in a million years would have thought I would be somebody who could do that kind of thing, who could work at the summer camp and be good at it. Um, and she saw something or she just needed an extra body. Either way, 
she reached out to me and was like, Hey, I think you should apply to work at this camp. Yeah. Um, and that was my, just after my senior year of high school. Um, I was, so my first year of college, uh, and I was super excited about the idea. And I had kind of been in this mode of like, you know, figuring out what I can do and like not holding myself back and not letting other people kind of hold me back from, from, from whatever it was uh -huh. that might be possible. Um, I feel like I've talked about this with you a bunch before, but like, I always think about those kind of things where like, I might be the world's greatest quilter. Okay. And I, I just don't know because I've never tried quilting. Um, and that was the kind of like mindset I had. I was like, I, I could be great at all this other stuff. So Jessica saw something in me, asked me to apply. I started working at the camp. Um, and that was like a huge shift for me spiritually because I was kind of in the driver's seat. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have the connection to, I wasn't like tethered. I don't want that to sound too negative, but like I didn't, I wasn't tethered to the church that I grew up in. Like yeah. working at the camp kind of opened the community for me a little bit um and that was the first time that i was thinking about god and talking about faith um on my own without again i don't want this to sound bad but without like outside of the shadow of my dad yeah no kidding exactly um and like i talk about i've talked about this stuff in therapy for a long time but like my growing up I was, my identity was so tied to my dad, like all of our lives mm -hmm. kind of revolved around the church. Mm -hmm. uh, I was associated with, I was always Pastor Ray's son. Yeah. Um, so like working at the camp was the first time that I was um, experiencing this stuff and thinking about it uh, on my own. Um, and I was a good camp counselor. Um, no, and so great. I'm glad we got to that point too, because I was gonna. What we need to break in here and say is that, like, Andy Fitch was the best camp counselor that you could ever like create in the lab. Like, I, I know you're not gonna let me do this, but Andy's super artistic. So the arts and craft shack, you were crushing it over there. But you also like growing up at camp were the quiet kid in a lot of places. So you were so good at seeking out the other quiet kids figuring out what they loved, making them laugh, bringing them into community. You were super right. creative. The skit, oh man, I still think about, because there was you and there was Matt Cephalou, who's also incredibly like hilarious, talented. And the two of you, and you throw in any third person for a skit at a campfire. I mean, like you. Like, I'm sure it's better than the stuff you do at the Armory now. I mean, I haven't been to the Armory, but honestly, like you and Matt Cephalou, that, it, it, other, other levels of just high comedy um yeah you brought so much to that place uh and and you you obviously you you sent something about that in yourself too because you worked there for a lot longer than i did um yeah getting you back yeah i worked there for six years four yeah. of them as a counselor and then two of them as a program coordinator um and yeah i really liked it i was good at it um it was huge for me um like even outside of the spiritual sense, like figuring out who I was and what I liked and, and, you know, accepting parts of me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would not be doing any of the performative stuff I'm doing now without camp, like doing skits at campfire 
like every night, you know, five nights a week for <laughs> eight weeks for six years, like that. A lot I didn't know I was good at that stuff. That was the first time I ever like improvised before I knew anything about it. That was the first time I had ever done those kind of things because I was super, like you said, as a super shy kid. Um, yeah, it was like, that was so much about the camp experience was huge for me. Yeah. Like across the spectrum, it was very important. And I do think I did good work there. Um, and the best I part too, I mean, I know you always would say this too. You understood that it wasn't about yourself too. I mean, that's always something I've really valued about you is just the, the humility you bring to everything you do, sometimes too much so. But you would always say like, no, like you, you that was your that was your big phrase. Like, I hope no one remembers me in 10 years, right? Like, because it's not about what I accomplished at the TAM. It's about what right. can do as a whole for the life of kids. Right. Yeah. And that's like a hard thing. It, I mean, even now it's like tough to swallow sometimes because you're like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's 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 scary to like plant a seed and be like, I hope that thing grows. Like, yeah. I I put it in the right spot. Like, it's probably gonna get rained on. It should get enough sun. Like, but I can't be here to see if it flourishes. Yeah, and that's like so much of like what it was to work with kids because you're with them for a week and you're like, I hope something got through to them. It probably won't on like a deep level, but something in there will kind of settle and that'll help them at some point. And, you're just hoping that like a little, a little bit did a little something. To move them along the way. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so where, what, talk to us too about like kind of what, what's shifted over the years. Or maybe so, not shifted, but just a greater realization. Yeah. So sort of in the middle of those six years, uh, I did this immersion, the internship you were talking about, uh, that was designed through some of the Northeast um Seminaries. seminaries yeah. Um to kind of put kids kids put young adults uh with uh pastors and church leaders uh to kind of help them discern, like figure out if a excuse me, uh if a a job in the church uh was something they wanted to pursue, if seminary was a thing that they'd like to uh move on to at post college. Um, my dad never pressured me to be a part of, to like work in the church or anything like that. He was very much, and I'm very grateful for it. He was very much like, you are not me. Like, yeah. Cause from, I don't know if this happened to you, but like from the time I was a little kid, people were like, you can be a pastor like your dad. Yeah, my dad, absolutely. to his credit was just like, he can, he's like five, like, <laughs> He wasn't saying like, leave him alone, but he was like very aware that like, I am an individual. I'm my own person. Yeah. Like while he wasn't aware of it all the time to an extent, he, he knew that like, we were kind of like in his shadow in that sense. Um, so when I was doing this, it really was my choice to like, see. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like because I had that experience growing up, uh, my, experience in the internship was a little different. I feel like I wasn't, I was just ex re-experiencing stuff I already kind of knew about because I had sure. seen it firsthand as a kid. The difference with the internship was that I was in charge of handling some of the stuff that I witnessed. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and that was like hard. It was not fun. Not that I went into it thinking like, this is going to be, swell but like it, it's 
the toll I saw it take on my dad, like I, it like made it tactile for me. It was like real again. I was uh -huh. like, Oh, this is, this is a very difficult thing, especially for me, somebody who is constantly like searching for meaning and like analyzing and, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so like there's that aspect of it. Uh, my time at the camp kind of wrapped up when I got to, I had done that second year, that second summer as a program coordinator. And I truly felt like I had kind of done everything I could at the camp. Yeah. Um, I could have gone back and done it again, but like anything I wanted to accomplish, I know I had, uh, and I had noticed the age gap becoming a thing. Sure. Like it's between you and the counselors. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and the kids like, and that, as that gets bigger, like as the dynamic changes, like I would have to change quite a bit and there were other people who were very much like ready to kind of take up the mantle. Um, and it well, just seemed know, like the right, that camp, it just seemed like the right time for me to step away. Yeah. But I mean, just to that point though, Andy, like that camp is currently looking for a director and that's one thing you haven't done there. So just trying to line things up for you. True. Um, but yeah, so, so I'd done the immersion kind of, come to the conclusion like I don't think at least right now at the time I was like right now you know seminary is not the sure. next step for me uh, I finished up what I was doing at the camp um, and so and I didn't have like an official um, congregation I was really a part of until like you had started uh -huh. uh, at North Park Lutheran Church in Buffalo um so yeah, that was kind of, those things were kind of the beginning of like. Well, and it's just like that period of people's lives too, right? Like young adulthood. I just feel like, I mean, a lot of what you're describing too is just that experience at that particular moment. Cause you have right. this like map that you follow of like kindergarten. All right, next is first grade. And it just, one thing follows after the other. And right. then once you finish high school, it's just this open slate so much of the time. Right. Right. Like, and, and it's just so hard to figure out what you're supposed to do next. Right. Um, and I mean, and, but you were already like, you were doing camp stuff um, during the summers, but you were already getting into comedy and sketch stuff during the year, if I remember correctly. Didn't those two kind of align? Right. When did you, because uh, you were, you did a whole bunch of Second City in Toronto around. That was basically, yeah, that was basically right after I had stopped yeah. working at camp. Okay. I wasn't sure. Um, I had, um, yeah, I had a, I had a uh, college professor just talk. I, we were just having like a one-on-one -on -one thing in his office and he was mentioning like he had taken improv classes at Second City and I, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know you could take classes. Like from the time I knew what Second City was, I was like, I want to be on the main stage. That would be awesome. I think I could do that. Like something inside me said that, but I didn't know that you could go up there and they could teach you. Um, and Toronto is two hours away from Buffalo. And I started making that trek to do that basically right after, um, right after that, that last summer at the camp. Yeah. You were driving hundreds of miles in your Chevy Impala. Yeah. Times. <laughs> and yeah. I've never, I mean, so I've, the only time I've ever been able to see you in the show, um, Amanda and I went up to Toronto for your Christmas show. That's a good show, man. 
the the whole the whole Jimmy Stewart and he's got a killer Jimmy Stewart that he does that was a, the key like the culminating point that tied all the sketches together. It's good work. Do you still do Jimmy Stewart? I mean, I guess technically, and I mean, I won't make you do it here. I won't make well, you. Well, I will say, like, just to be fair, most everybody who's doing a Jimmy Stewart impression is kind of doing a Dana Carvey Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> like cultural osmosis is just kind of like shaped the way people think of how Jimmy Stewart talks, but um yeah so so you get into all the comedy stuff but talk to me a little bit more too about like where we're kind of some of the turn away from this uh happened like i guess i kind of i'm picking up on it this has just sort of been a slow subtle piece throughout of like you never totally felt connected as a kid because it was just like where you had to go because your dad worked there and you're right. like seeing behind the curtain a little and then you really never connected with a place after um camp like camp was its own place for you of connection but then you really didn't have anything further beyond that to keep you connected but i think there's i know there's more to the story than that as well yeah um i mean working at the camp uh and then subsequently like when i was going to toronto a lot of what i was realizing is how important uh community is to me mm -hmm. um not necessarily in any specific, you know, in any specific way or any specific size, but like being a part of community and feeling like I'm a part of the community. Um, that was like really important. And that was a huge aspect of how I, and to this day, how I experience God, how I, um, how I kind of interpret the world uh, through a spiritual lens, like so much of that has to do with connections with other people. Mm. Um, I'm very much a feelings person. Yes, you are. Definitely too much at times. Uh, and, and so like the way I'm, the way I feel um, or the way I have felt informed a lot of what I sought after um, in, in, in the church, um, especially in that kind of transitional, you know, hazy period that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting too, like talking about how important community is and realizing like camp does community in the most intensive way possible. Yeah. Um, of like living together with other people for weeks at a time. But then also how, like, just noticing, like, that you didn't really have that growing up. Like, you you sort right. of had community at church, but even like you said, you're like, all these people knew my name, but I didn't know their name. Like, that's not right. true community in any sense. Yeah. And it's, as an adult, it's a lot easier to navigate and to kind of, like, you know, work yourself into things. But, you know, the feeling itself is something that I'm still very much paying attention to. Um so I, like I, like a week or so ago, I had, I was visiting my folks and uh, I went to a, a church service with my parents. Uh, the choir was singing a hymn that my dad had written. Oh, cool. Um, and afterwards, you know, we're saying hi to people and a lady came up to me and she's like, I remember when, when you were this big. And you know, she puts her hand down low to the ground and I was just like, yeah, me too. And she laughed and that was the end of our, our, our interaction, but that was enough to like, like that little icebreaker was enough to just like make it 
fine that I was there and we didn't have to like go into a bunch of different things. We could just go to the coffee hour and uh -huh. talk like normal people. Like those kind of things are a lot easier to navigate now, but like it, even being able to put myself in that position of like feeling a little more comfortable, it doesn't necessarily mean that it puts me in a place where I feel like I'm a part of the community. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I kind of lost that, um, just slow, very slowly. Um, I also, uh, a thing I deal with, you know, pretty regularly and have for a long time, um, is like heavy bouts of depression. Um, and I will say like, as that, like interpersonal, those interpersonal relationships kind of dissipated, uh, and my like very direct connections to church, um, weakened, I guess, uh, -huh. uh that depression was also there. And, uh, yeah, uh, had a lot of like moments of despair, kind of like, mm -hmm. I mean, pick a character from the Bible, kind of like cry out, like, where are you kind of thing. Uh -huh. uh, so I was having more and more of those kind of experiences, like just on my own. Um, just feeling totally by yourself with these incredibly large emotions. Yeah, and and really trying to figure out the rationale, <laughs> like why why would not just me? Why would anybody like kind of have these feelings? Like what do what do people do when they are feeling this, you know, lonely or down or what you know whatever? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was like a big part of it. Um, and did you ever, I mean, what, any insights on that for, you know, especially people listening who might be experiencing similar moments? Insights specifically on what do you mean? Yeah, like what, what do you do in times like that when you feel that disconnected and despairing? Um, I mean. Or is it just kind of like it comes in waves and you endure it? I mean, I think it's different for everybody and mental health is a very complex thing that like, yeah, you know, thankfully is talked about more and is, is a more respected and acknowledged, um, aspect of like reality, you know, overall health. Yeah. Um, but, um, it's different for, for so many people. And well, what I, what I hear in all this too, is that you did not feel like your your spirituality your faith was helpful in those moments not really yeah um, i think the takeaway for me and that's the thing like specifically for me what was helpful was seeking out other people mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. not just friends but like professional help also um i'm a huge advocate for that therapy is great um but like seeking out community was like a really important thing for me. I tried to find other churches here in New York and, you know, I tested out little groups here and there and, um, but just like making connections with other people was the thing that helped me. Um, I, yeah. 
The other thing, um, so I moved to New York in 2015. Yep. The other thing that kind of happened, this is like on the tail end, but this is a couple of years after I've stopped working at the camp and um, I don't know. I don't know. It feels kind of like cheesy to say the 2016 election, like really messed me up. Okay. Like big yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, in the sense that like me as somebody who like cares about people and cares about connections with people was feeling very disconnected from people in general. Um, yeah. Well said. You know, yeah. I mean, without getting like too far into like politics, uh, there were a lot of people I knew um, like people who had a hand in raising me like adults I knew as a kid and like people who taught me stuff from, you know, from the Bible. Yeah. Like the, the like teachings of Jesus, like following in Jesus footsteps stuff, the things that they were supporting all of a sudden were so far from, from the things, from the way I was brought up that yeah. I like, I couldn't, my brain couldn't handle it. I like couldn't fathom and I think, I think that was a lot of people's experience. I mean, it was just so shocking. Like, it wasn't what anyone thought was going to happen. And when you're faced with a reality like that, it can be so hard to, like, yeah, to, to recognize that, you know, more than half the country was um, supportive of this candidate who you were not supportive of at all. Like, there was just something, the unexpected nature of it, of, of that outcome of the 2016 election, I think is what was so psychologically jarring for so many people of just like yeah you, you didn't expect it to happen and then once once it actually does you start to rethink everything you know about society right right that like i don't know just it felt like every day was a new like it's like the least christ-like behavior behavior you could like think of almost yeah. uh I felt like I, it was just all over the place and it was being justified all the time. Um, and, you know, a thing that like, I know a lot of people for, you know, since the beginning of time have kind of had an issue with like people doing things in God's name that were like, are clearly for, they're not for God. Right. Uh, like experiencing those things was heavy for me um heavy for a lot of people but and I'm I'm sure, and just jarring too like you're saying because you could think of there were literal people who like helped raise you in the faith who you now are seeing behavior from that you just like it, a total disorienting well, experience that's the the thing about it it's like a lot of times it wasn't even their behavior it was just the acceptance of someone yeah. else's behavior or the justification of somebody else's behavior uh and it just, I mean, you could even, it just went against like every moral code that is like in my DNA. Yeah, no, and Monto, you know what it's similar to? I think about, we had that, we had a great experience at camp with this camp counselor. Um, I, maybe we shouldn't say his name because what I'm about to say, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, and he uh, was a swimmer at Valparaiso. Um, and he did a great job as our camp. But then we come to find out like a year later, oh yeah, like he doesn't even believe in God. And then we start to trace back and think about the things that he was telling us. It's like, yeah, like he just sort of talked about tree branches, didn't he? <laughs> like, it was so, it was such a letdown too, because you looked up to this guy so much 
And then you find out like, oh my gosh, like he, yeah, it, it didn't probably mean anything for him. And he was just wasting time, like waxing poetic about leaves on the tree. Yeah. And like, that's an interesting thing that like, I kind of want to jump onto real quick. I think that kind of thing also played a part in the like distance that has grown between me and the church or more conventional spirituality, I guess, uh, because in like learning stuff like that yeah, and then thinking back on myself, like, again, I was a very good camp counselor and I'm proud of the work I did there. But like, if you look at it from a certain perspective, like we were kids teaching kids, uh -huh. like we weren't that old. We were still like, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and so when I was kind of going through these little crises, I, um, crises, crises, I don't know what the plural is. Uh, you know, I I had a little bit of like imposter syndrome, I think. And that kind of, that was like a little barrier, that invisible barrier that like, I didn't actively think about at the time, but I think that prevented me from like reaching out because I felt like it felt strange to me to be like struggling through something. And I guess there's kind of like a prideful element to this, but like to be struggling with like faith uh, and while still trying to like enter into a community of faith. Like I almost felt like I couldn't or wasn't allowed or something like that. Does it make what I'm saying make sense? Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. And it, and it completely contradicts um, something that you said earlier about like how you, you just wanted people to recognize that your dad was just a guy and not yeah. an angel from on high, right? Like, yeah. and, and that, yeah, people are always just people kind of in their own state of figuring stuff out. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to allow yourself that grace. Um, and, right, like, we don't want to allow that grace to Counselor Mike, who we looked up to, but then who greatly disappointed us. It's just, it's interesting how these things, like, play out just in different iterations all throughout. And, like, maybe we just need to be a little more patient with one another. Yeah. And recognize that nobody's got it figured out. I like how you said we shouldn't say his name and you've gone to say his first name, where he went to school, what he did. <laughs> no. I didn't get his last name in there. <laughs> um, That'll come out in a couple minutes. Like that, that Simpsons joke. You're like, uh, let's just call her Lisa S or L Simpson. So, okay. And so, and so tell me now, like where, what, what does spirituality mean to you now? What does it look like for you now? Um, you obviously don't feel like a pole or a need to get back into a Christian community. Um, why is that? And then also like, where, where do you find community or, you know, those, those spiritual pieces? Cause you are, you've always been right. Like a deeply thoughtful, you know, like, yeah, spiritual type of person, I would say, more so than a lot of other people I know, which is part of why I wanted to have the conversation with you, because I figured you'd have just an interesting way of looking at all this. Um, well, I do have the pull. Like, it it, it has never truly gone away. Um, but, like, my experience so far in New York City, and I don't want to, this is not me disparaging, like, any group here in new york but i have not found one where i felt like yeah this is the right place for me to be or this is the, a place where i can kind of like grow into something um i tested out a bunch of churches i don't even like saying that like tested like i wasn't like i didn't have a checklist or anything like that i was just kind of yeah you know going and seeing if 
Did this feel feeling right? it out? Um, and I, I don't know. I had some very strange interactions with people. Um, some really uncomfortable ones actually sometimes. And, um, and then of course the pandemic hit. So that kind of like changed the way that searching happened. Um, I am very fortunate that the community I'm a part of, uh, the comedy community I'm a part of is very, uh, like I, I think I had said it earlier, like very inclusive and welcoming and, yeah. um, just like really, really, really good people, hilarious and talented, but like good at their core. Um, I, and, and that type of community, like it, 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 it was very similar to, uh, you know, as somebody who's going on feelings a lot is very similar to the kind of feelings I had at camp or Absolutely. that I had when I was in Toronto at Second City. Um, you, I didn't... You, you think about the camp community and while it was a church camp, like when we would hang out together, like, right, there, there, it wasn't anything inherently faithful or churchy about it other than like the jobs we happened to do during the day. Yeah. Like on the weekends, we would just go to Walmart and like buy weird things right. and eat at Johnny's hot dog stand. Yeah. Shout out Johnny's. Um, but, but I think like the important part was the community and it was like good people who cared about one another and were inclusive of each other. Like there, there wasn't a lot of like clicks necessarily in that camp group, at least when I worked there. Right. And then it sounds like that's very similar to what you're experiencing in this comedy group. It's like, it's the type of community that you needed that really doesn't look that much different other than the jobs you happen to do as a part of that community. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I, that the, those kind of, you asked me like how I'm, how I'm like finding spirituality now, yeah. is that what you said? Sure. Um, uh, I've kind of returned to like the old ways for me, like, time in nature which is like kind of a weird thing in new york city because it's if yeah. you're in the city even if you're in the nicest part of any park here like you never really forget you're in the city totally but um i feel like all of my experiences with anything spiritual in the last couple of years uh are very much about being present mm. um like being in the moment and and taking in everything I can and giving what I can in that moment also, like really being there. Yeah, I love um, that. Yeah, yeah, so part of, sometimes that's like in nature or just like being outside in general, like finding a place under a tree or something like that. Even if I'm gonna like, you know, do something stupid, like scroll on my phone, like the environment has, it, it, it plays a part in that because on some level, I'm going to start thinking about something and that can kind of take me down a rabbit hole where I'm, you know, I'll really be contemplating some big aspect of existence. Yeah. Um, and then with stuff like the comedy community, you know, it's that, uh, that gathering of people is like, that feels very church-like sometimes. Uh -huh. um, and the joy that comes um the joy that like i think i 
I think it's fair for me to kind of like speak for most people, like the joy that we all experience in those rooms, like that fills me. That is very, um, that's pretty integral for me these days. Yeah. I can imagine too, because it's, it's the joy, not only of like working with your fellow performers yeah. at the same time, right? Like that, that's a really neat experience of flow. Uh, you know, I think about like just like when you're jamming with other people musically and like you're picking up on what they're doing. Like that's that's the very heart of improv as I understand it, too. Just like yeah. you kind of know where your partner's going, but not entirely. But you're willing to like say yes to whatever comes next and work with it in the moment. Like improv super. We're going to bring you back to talk about improv sometime because it's just so yeah. cool. Um, the pieces of all that. But um, so you have that joy on top of like that you're doing this for an audience and their collective joy of experiencing, right? Like just the product that you're putting together. But so, also like as an audience member, like I, I, whether I'm in the show or not, like I try to go to all of them and I'll stick around if I, I'm in that show, I'll watch the other team, like just being in, being in the room. And yeah. I, again, it's like another part of like being present, like uh -huh. it's experiencing it, how I can experience it, where I am. Um, and having those experiences and like being with people even if what well, if it's like a deep conversation we have after the show or if it's you know doing bits you know at a bar or something like that um like uh being present allows me to kind of like take those moments with me for lack of a better term uh and it really factors into the feelings of gratitude that i Bingo. I try and latch on to. And yeah. I feel like that's a super important thing for me these days also. It's... No, it's funny you say that too, because I've noticed it for myself personally. Like that presence is is something I'm pretty bad at because I'm always trying to think of like what else needs to be done or what I want to do next. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I think earlier in my life it was always worrying about what had just happened. Um, and worrying that I didn't like present myself well. And so like the being present in the moment is sort of the solution to both of those invasive thoughts, right? Of just like, yeah, because yeah, like, this is all there is, you know, and enjoy the moment. That's where everything happens is right, right. now. And and it's like, you think about religious ceremonies or, you know, or performances, like so much of our life is actually geared around trying to move us towards understanding and appreciating the present and the present moment. Um, but we're so distracted or worried or anxious or, 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 or that we yeah. get pulled away from that. Yeah. Um, um well, real quick, the, oh, going, like, the other thing I just want to add, it's not as much of a part of my life as I would like it to be right now, but, um, like service is like a big part of this stuff for me. Yeah. Um, I've had to kind of like figure out how to do some of that uh, where it's not at my own expense, uh, like also serving myself while I'm serving other people. Uh, but like, that's a big part of it for me as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's huge. And that's a place where you can always, there, there just seems to be something within the human psyche, the human heart that wants to uh, give back and be yeah just of assistance to other people and you've always been that's always been a huge part of of who you are too um i, I like that you've added and, and come to real like often at the expense of yourself sometimes too 
like yeah. going to extremes to to care for or support other people. Um, that yeah, it's just a good a, a good reminder for all of us that you kind of have to care for yourself before you can properly serve others too. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Anything that you want to add, kind of in closing thought? This has been really fascinating and interesting, and just thank you like for your vulnerability and all of it too, because I can tell that this was not always an easy thing to have to like reflect on and talk about. But you're... Well, no, I mean, thank you for having me on. I I like talking about this kind of stuff. It's not a thing I talk about often these days. So like, uh, it's not that I'm uncomfortable with it. It's just that like, I my discomfort is with my inability to kind of like put the feelings to words yeah in a way um i feel like i kind of didn't scratch the surface of a lot of things but like i don't know come to new york and talk to me about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, i'm I'll, so. I, I have no issue talking about this with strangers uh <laughs> i yeah i don't i don't know what kind of like closing remarks i have but um I, i'll just say that like it's not like my mind's made up. It's sure. I, okay. none, like, this is still a part, like it might be the suckiest part of the spiritual journey, but like, I'm still on the journey, like yeah. still on the boat, sail still full. Like I'm going somewhere with it, but it's just kind of, you know, an uncomfortable dark period. And I feel like these kind of things happen and don't get talked about uh plainly sometimes so i don't know i think this is a cool thing you're doing and hopefully like some of what i said has made sense but no you're you're you you never give yourself enough credit it makes total sense and i, I think you're, i love the way you kind of turned it too like yeah it's still it's all evolving right like it's not that you've yeah. arrived and made up your mind but it's also neat to sort of trace the themes through all of this i appreciate you kind of going all the way back and just recognizing how You've always been looking for community and belonging and connection. And frankly, the church hasn't been that for you, right? Like even from the start, I just think that your reflections on growing up as a pastor's kid are fascinating in the way that like you were there, but never, I just love that statement you said, like, yeah, everyone knew my name, but I didn't know anyone else. Like, I didn't know who they were. Like yeah. what, a, what a strange, uh, you know, like existence to have to manage at a young age. Yeah. Um, so anyways, no, thank you again. Thanks for your vulnerability and, and taking the time to do this. Uh, above all, Andy, like, thanks for your friendship. I really appreciate you a lot and like, just love the memories that we have together and the things that we've shared and you, Hey, dear listener, thanks for listening to this. Hope that you, uh, gain some new insights from this. Stay in peace, everyone.